Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. How many people are excited about being called of God and knowing that his presence um, empowers us to live our lives? If you need a Bible, please raise your hand and we'll bring you out a copy of Scripture. That is yours to keep. Um, If you need it, please raise your hand. That is yours to keep. We love giving away Bibles. If I'm honest this morning, I um, I'm a little challenged with the with the with the message this morning. Um, it's one of those up late at night trying to figure out what God is truly speaking to His church. I feel like it's a timely word, um, and I feel like it's something that the church needs to hear. And so, he who has ears, let him hear what the spirit is saying to his people, to his church. Um, I went on a social media yesterday and or the day before yesterday. I don't remember time flies. Um, and I engaged my followers, not like my followers, but like my social media followers. <laughs> if you knew here, you were like, man, this is a cult hit the door. No, not my followers. No Kool-Aid's getting drunk. Um, but the people who follow me on social media with a question with scripture. And the question was based upon God telling us to train ourselves to be godly. And so I asked, what is the challenges for us training ourselves for godliness? And I got quite a few responses. And uh, as I sat and I thought about them, I realized that many of these responses stem out of something deeper. One of the reasons that people say that we, uh, we don't train ourselves for godliness or we don't pursue God is because we have these perceived barriers. We have these, these ideas that there are barriers in front of us that we can't get through, and so why even try? Someone else said lack of tenacity. One person said time and not really that we don't have enough time, but we struggle to prioritize our time. Another person said priorities. One person said fear or being comfortable where you're at. It was also mentioned that there were distractions that keep us from pursuing God. And the last but not least is we are inconsistent, undisciplined, tired, and procrastinators. And so all of these things keep us from laying hold of God or being as close to God as we would like to be. I know we live in a culture now that God is just so easily accessible that we feel like we can just do whatever we want to do and live any way we want to live, and we just snap our fingers. And did anybody see the new Aladdin movie? God is this magical genie in a bottle that we can just rub the lamp, and God shows up, and God says, what are your three wishes? And we say, I want to be rich. I want a hot body laying in the bed next to me. And I don't know what your third wish is. I don't know. I don't know. Ten more wishes, but Aladdin said you can't do that. And so we treat God like he's a genie in a bottle. We treat God like God show up and let me just tell you, let me just dictate to you the things that I want you to do for me and the things that I want you to do in my life. I want peace. I want joy. I want happiness. I want the American dream. And God, if you can just show up and do those things for me, then I'll serve you. But we neglect 
to understand that God is not wired that way. As a matter of fact, we should be showing up, and like we talked about last week, we should show up before God as spiritual beggars. And so when I start thinking about all these things that distract us, all these things that we want, all those things that we say we need, and and why we can't lay hold of God, I got to the bottom of some of it in my life, and I'm sure it's probably the same in some of your life if we're being honest. We're spiritually fatigued. We're spiritually tired. We're just tired. Anybody remember when you first got to the understanding and knowledge of the gospel and you first gave your heart and your life to Jesus, how rejuvenated you were? And you felt like you can just run. You were like Forrest Gump. You was just a running. But then you got tired. And what makes us tired is disappointment. What makes us tired is that God didn't show up and do the things in our life that we thought he would do. And then because he didn't do the things in our life that we thought he would do, we sat down on God. And many of us have been sitting down on God for quite some time, even though we come and sit in these chairs on Sunday morning. And to greater help me help you guys and help myself understand what really goes on, we're going to turn in the book of the Bible in 1 Samuel. And we're going to do a cursory survey through the book of Samuel. So we're going to cover a lot of chapters. We're not going to read them all. I pray that you will go home and read them for yourself. But we're going to talk about the life of David. The life of David. And I don't know about you, but I draw strength from David's life. David wrote most of the Psalms, and we wouldn't get those beautiful Psalms if we didn't understand the, the difficulties that went on in David's life. And so sometimes when we read the Bible, though, we try and sterilize the Bible. We try to make it seem like it's just a a family matters episode after you get out of school. uh, And, and, you know, a a, a challenge happens. And in the next 30 minutes, Carl Winslow is going to figure it all out. And we're going to laugh and giggle at Urkel. And then we're going to go to the next, you know, we're going to move on and we're going to wait till next week. But that's not how the Bible really works. When you read the scripture, don't only read it for its historical and grammatical context. Don't only read it for the genre that you're reading. Read it also. Read emotion and feeling into it. Sometimes we act like we ain't supposed to have feelings as Christians, like we're not supposed to wrestle, like we're not supposed to struggle. And that is not the Bible that I read. If we'll just read between the lines sometime, we'll see that this walk is hard. We'll also see that if you're not walking (laughs) with Jesus, it's still hard. Life is hard. We're all born dying. We're all born in this broken, sinful world. But the thing about it is Jesus has come and he has given us hope. He's given us life and he's given us a perspective on the life after this life. And so if we'll look at David's life, we'll see that David got to a place of spiritual fatigue. And if we're being honest, I bet a lot of people who are sitting in those chairs right now are also in that same space. And I don't talk like I've obtained, like I've arrived. Listen, I get here, too. We get here as humans. We get tired. We talked about training yourself for godliness on that social media post. That's why most of y'all don't work out. The thing about working out, you get tired. If you want to grow muscles, you got to get to a point where they say your muscles have to be fatigued. And so what we're going to talk about today is how do we walk with God in that moment of fatigue? How do we walk with God? How do we learn to rest? How do we learn to still go on and not kill ourselves? Amen. 
Amen. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 16, don't turn there. We're going to really, uh, you can camp out at 27. We're going to work our way there. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, we find David, this little shepherd boy, being anointed as the king. He's being anointed as a king. And if you're familiar with the story, David was a, a, a one of many sons. And the prophet of God had been told that they should, he should go to David's house to find the next king. Uh, uh, and he goes through all the sons and neither one of them was it. The tall one, the strong one, the fat, like all of them. He went through all the sons and like, nope, that's not him. Nope, that's not him. And to the point where the prophet looked at the father and said, listen, do you have any more sons? Because I know I'm in the right place. And the, fa- and the son didn't think much about, the father didn't think much about David. He said, yeah, I got another son named David, but he out there with the sheep. He's a little scrawny one. Like, you, don't, you, don't, you don't want David. Surely if I would have thought David was the one, I would have had him. Yeah, you, you do. Go get David. Let this man see that there ain't a whole lot about David. And David shows up on the scene and the prophet sees him and goes, you know what? He's the one. And he anointed David king right then and there. And see, I read the Bible a little different. I don't understand how it, like, let somebody tell me I'm the king. Let somebody tell me I'm the president of the United States. I'm going up on the White House lawn right now and say, y'all need to let me in. The prophet has spoken. David went right back to his life tending sheep and then not only that he submitted himself to the king of the land and there was this great big battle going on and Israel was scared of the Philistines because they had this big guy named Goliath think about Shaq like this big dude looking like Shaq wanting to fight you and nobody wants to fight him he said send out your best warrior we ain't got to do this all this battle thing send out your best warrior your warrior against my warrior and everybody's looking ain't nobody trying to fight Shaquille O'Neal right ain't nobody trying to fight that's a big old man and so anyway, David goes to the front lines with all his brothers who, the, who his daddy thought was better or more than. And he goes and he shows up and he sees this battle going on. He's like, why are y'all scared of this uncircumcised Philistine? And I know that sounds kind of crass today, but what it meant was, why are y'all scared of this person who is not in covenant with God? Why are y'all tripping? And so they say, well, if you think you're bad enough, you go on out there. And they try to give him the king's armor. And David's like, that don't fit me. And he showed up and they tried to give him weapons. And David's like, that's not how I fight. He said, you don't understand some things about God. I was, I was once in a fight with this wild animal. And then I, I, I rabbit trail. So we were, we, we, we was, we got three or four more of them. Y'all get ready. So we was on our vacation and we were driving down the street. Oh, your God. Yes. And so we were driving down the street and it was dusk and I saw at the corner of my eye, like this is in the middle of a city. We're not in the country somewhere. We're riding down the middle of the city. There's a bear walking down the alley. Looking like Yogi, looking for picnic baskets. And the kids in the car started freaking out. A bear, a bear. Ah, ah, turn around, go see the bear. And I told them, I will not turn this car around unless y'all calm down because they were screaming so loud. And we turned around, we started to turn around to go see the bear. The bear just jumped over the fence and stuff. And people walking down the street, and people was like, there's bears. We, we in Northern California, bears. We went to the grocery store right after that immediately. The next place we stopped was the grocery store, and we went in, and we talked to the checker. And we were talking about, we're from Texas, and we don't understand bears. Like, what's going on? He's like, yeah, they come over here all the time. They get into the watermelon, and we just shoo them off. See, you're not understanding. That's a bear. 
One time I spoke in Togo, West Africa, and I was talking about this scripture, and I was trying to tell the translator what a bear was, and he had no word for bear because he was in Togo, West Africa. They don't know what bears is. And so all I could do was like, big, and I'm doing like this. He's looking at me like, you're crazy. Because bears are ferocious. And I know that if I got into an altercation with a bear, y'all just pray for me. Tell Emory I loved her. And David said, I got into a fight with a bear because I had one of my sheep and I smote him because God was resting upon me. And so David understood some things about who God was and what God was, was, was had purpose in his life. And so David said, man, if I fought a bear, surely a Shaquille O'Neal ain't, ain't no match for me. So he didn't take his weapons. He got a slingshot and he began to. And so some of us think a slingshot like the thing that you just have in your brother hitching here with a china bear in your little. Now, this is a slingshot like this is. And boom. Hits a glide right between his right there. The Bible said it sunk into his forehead and he fell dead. Boom. David went and chopped his head off just for good measure because sometimes you got to chop the head off like a possum. He might get up. Ain't got no Freddy Krueger stuff happening around here. You dead, you dead. So David chopped off his head and now David's the champion and they defeated the Philistines. And Saul, the king at the time, is so impressed he brings David into his court and everything is all good until people start bragging on David. Saul killed his thousands, but David killed his tens of thousands. And so Saul began to get angry and Saul sought to kill David now this is what I don't understand because David listen I know some of y'all have been in the military uh, uh in, in the space um David would have been the equivalent of nowadays like a navy seal you ever saw to watch those navy seal movies it take like three of them they go and they kill a whole nation just three of them with a with a bb gun and a paper clip like navy seals like they you know what I'm saying and so David was like that David was a bad man like David da- David fought bears y'all listen to me And David had, listen, listen, David probably could have killed Saul with his pinky finger, in my opinion. I'm just saying, in my opinion, David could have killed Saul with his pinky finger. David, but he respected what God had said, even though God had told him that he was going to be king and that his future was going to be what it was going to be. He still respected Saul and he allowed Saul to try to kill him and he never retaliated. To the point where David could have killed him on a couple of occasions. Like he could have. Like you ever, when you were little, you put shaving cream on people's hands and then you, they do like that. Like David snuck up on the while he was asleep. He could have did all that to Saul, but he didn't. As a matter of fact, he said he would not touch God's anointed. And David, year after year, Saul is pursuing him. Saul is trying to kill him. Saul is trying to kill him to the point where David gets tired. And that's where we'll pick up our text today. If you turn with me to Psalm, I mean Psalm, 1 Samuel, verse 27. Now, remember what I just said. David's a bad man. David's like a Navy SEAL. David has openly shamed Saul over and over again. And this is why I want y'all to not just read the text without trying to understand the depth of the text. David was in the midst of a spiritual and physical battle. Because last time I checked, maybe you, you're better Bible scholar than me, but David was told that he was supposed to be king and it didn't come to pass. And David would have, in my opinion, probably started to enter into a little bit of depression by this point. Right? Like, no, nobody, like, you don't, you don't get death threats. 
you don't come this close to death over and over again and not have a little bit of PTSD, right? And not be to the point where you're like, oh, my God, like, why are you allowing this to happen to me? And let's hear David's words. Then David said in his heart, now I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul. Stop right there for a second. Really, David? Saul hasn't been able to do a single thing to you. And so David starts saying, maybe my luck going to run out. Maybe in your life, let's bring it to our life. Maybe in your life, you've heard or you, you believe that God is working something inside of you and God is leading you down a certain path and you've had door shut after door shut after door shut in your face and you're discouraged. Maybe you have an enemy and you listen to me sometimes where I say make friends with your enemy, make your enemies friends and go do all this stuff and try and live a Christian life in front of you and in front of them. And they keep slacking in your face. And you turn the other cheek and they smack the other cheek and you turn the other cheek and they smack the other cheek. And you say to yourself, God, why? I'm only doing what you're telling me to do. I'm a champion of Israel. I go and fight for on behalf of the Lord. Why is all of this stuff happening in my, in my life? And so we see David gets discouraged. And David said, watch this, in his heart. There's something about saying some stuff. Sometimes we say stuff. We say stupid stuff all, all the time. I say stupid stuff all the time. I say stuff. I say, I say stuff. Sometimes I'm like, why did I just say that? Am I the only one? Like, I thought it, it just came out. I thought I was thinking it, but it came out of my mouth. But David said it from the core of who he was. David felt that in the core of his being. Listen, Saul is going to destroy me, forgetting, forgetting, forgetting what God had promised. He said, one day I will perish at the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me to go. That me, that I should escape to the land of the Philistines. Hold on, time out. Didn't I just tell a story about the Philistines and what David had did to the Philistines? And now God, David is saying it would be good for me to go back to that place or the place that I already conquered. Anybody have something in your life that you've conquered in the past that you've overcome and then you became a Christian and now things are hard and you're thinking about going back to that very thing that you overcame? Controlling my temper, listen, it, 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 it's been a good, good four or five years, and I ain't went off on nobody in about four or five years. But you know what? I'm really feeling like going off on somebody right now because I feel like I need to go off on somebody right now because it'll make me feel so much better. Whatever that thing was, addiction, sinful behaviors. We say, let's go, let's, 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 you know what, it'll be, it'll be better. It'll be, it'll be better. It'll be better. It'll be better. What was back there, it'll be better. Hear me now, Lot's wife, it's better back there. Instead of going forward and doing what God has called me to do, it'll be better because this is hard. And to get rid of Saul, I'm going to go back and do this thing. And so we trade one bad thing for a worse thing. Am I talking to anybody this morning? I know I'm talking to myself. See, I should escape to the land of the Philistines. Oh, and by the way, I forgot to tell y'all this. This wasn't the first time David tried to escape to the land of the Philistines. 
He tried it earlier. He did it earlier when Saul was first after him. And 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 and, and did somebody say, Isn't this the one? That's from Israel, the one that's killing all the people, that's defeating people. And then David got scared and David started acting crazy. And then the king said, Listen, listen, y'all take this crazy man out of here. I got enough crazy men in my kingdom. I don't need another one. And so this was not the first time that David thought this way. This is actually the second time. That tells me that the battle is long. The battle battle that we wage in the spirit realm is heavy. And sometimes we just want to throw in the towel. We just want to give up. We don't want to fight no more. Any boxing fans? Roberta Duran? Sugar Ray Leonard? No mas? Mm-mm, that man hit hard. No mas? It says, this all with despair of seeking me any longer within the borders of Israel, and I shall escape out of his hand. I love David. I love a lot of what David wrote, but this don't make no sense to me. Let me go back from this enemy to an enemy that I defeated for this enemy, because this enemy will be scared of that enemy. Hold on, time out. The enemy should be scared of me. Cyclical. I, I, I don't know. So David arose, watch, it started in his heart, and then he arose and went over. He and 600 men who were with him to Akish, the son of Moak, I can't say all these names, king of Gath. And David lived with Akish at Gath, he and his men, every man with his household, and David with his two wives, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail of Carmel. Remember those two names, Nabal's widow. And when it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath, he now he no longer sought David. He no longer sought David. Hmm. Then David said to Akish, if I found favor in your eyes, let a place be given me in one of the country towns that I may dwell there. For why shall your servant dwell in the royal city with you? Royal city with you. And so David went back and he made a deal with the enemy to dwell in this place called Ziglag. To dwell in this place called Ziglag. I want to point out a couple of things from the text. One thing is when we get to a place where we're ready to give up, where we're spiritually distressed, where we're in spiritual despair, listen, it often doesn't just impact us. David led 600 other men in their households. Now, I'm, I don't know. They had big families back then. I don't know how many people that might have been, but I'm going to guess it's over 1,000, right? And he led them into this place where, listen, these were Israelites. These were church folks. Listen, your behavior what you're doing, people are watching you. And you don't understand that you have the ability to cause other people to fall into the same mess that you're in. Now, these are people chosen of God, living in a place beyond, beneath their means uh, because, because David got tired. Listen, you're not only fighting for you, especially if you're a parent. You're not only fighting for you. 
You're not only walking for yourself, you're walking to be an example so that people will see you lift the God up. And the Bible says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. But if we do negative things, guess what that would also do? We will draw people into negative behaviors with us. I know I put a heavy weight of responsibility on your shoulders, but this is the gospel. This is what being a disciple is about. And so it ain't only about you. Sometimes we make bad decisions in our heart and we lead others astray because of the bad decision we made in our heart because of our stinking thinking. Now imagine this. They arrived in this place. Think about how they felt. David began to compromise in this place. David began to then, he would go and he would go raid other, uh, other, other towns because, it, listen, we, li- listen, this is what they did back then. That's what you did. You go and conquer. You're a king and wait, you go and conquer. So him and his men, like I said, they were Navy SEALs. They were special ops unit. They would go in and they were defeating these nations. And they were, and listen, this is what David would do. It got from bad to worse. David went in and he killed everybody. Women, children, boys, goats, cattle, he kept what he wanted, and he killed everything else to remove any sign that he had been there. Why? Because he didn't want them to go back and tell the king what he had been doing while he was in his land. Oftentimes, when we find out that we are in our zigzag place, listen, we're not proud to be there, and we do stuff that we try and keep hidden. All the while, Christian community is reaching out to you. All the while, people are trying to help you out, and you're like, no, 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 this is really not that bad. And nobody knows the, the pits of where you've fallen. And that's why it's good to be in community and be transparent while you're in community. Listen, I'm broken. You're broken. Let's, let's go to the king together. But we try to hide it. How you doing? Praise the Lord. I'm doing good. Not loaning people to know your whereabouts, where you're going at night, what you're doing late at night on the Internet. Who you're talking about behind their back. What you're saying at work. You don't want nobody else to know in your Christian community because they might look down on you as a Christian. So we go and we sneak and we do stuff while we're in Ziglag. We do this because we're spiritually tired. We're not spiritual beggars. We don't wake up in the morning and say, God, give me today my daily bread. Anybody ever tried to work out without eating first? I was at a summer camp with my kids, not just these kids, the kids from the church. And we were playing ball. I hadn't really eaten. I was a little tired. And so I got into the game, and the kids, they running around. They doing stuff that kids do, and I think I was about 40 at the time. My 40-year-old knees wasn't doing the things that they used to do when they were 24, but I thought in my brain that I could do the things I could do when I was 24. But in my body, my body was like, nah. And I can remember this one kid, he drove, he was driving baseline, and I see it back in the day, I used to run the lane, bro, and I just lob it up, and I'm going to go get it, right? That ain't happening now. And so he threw the ball, and I go to get it, and this knee said, nope. <laughs> and fatigue settled in. Like at that moment, like I felt fatigue jump on my back like an 800-pound gorilla. And I went for the ball, and the next thing you know, I was laying under the basket on the ground, and this ain't like an indoor gym, it's concrete. And so now I'm really hurt. My son Isaiah said, dang, dad, you going hard out here? You diving for loose balls? No, bro. No, I ain't diving. That wasn't no dive. I'm tired, boss. As a matter of fact, go get me a pillow and go help me find my kneecap. I lost it. I'm tired. 
When we're spiritually fatigued, we think we can do the things that we, 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 we should be able to do, but we're not able to do those things because we're fatigued. Ever been there? You just think you have the capacity to do certain things, but you don't really have the capacity because you haven't eaten, you're tired, you haven't got no sleep, and then you end up, then you end up making matters worse. Or like in my case, hurting yourself. And so David was spiritually fatigued. He was tired of running. He was tired of all this stuff. And he said, you know what? I'm worn out of all these years of service. I've served at the, I've served at the, at the pleasure of the king. And now he's trying to kill me. I'm tired. I'm just tired. And if we're honest in the room today, many of us, we're tired. Some of us, we barely got here this morning. As a matter of fact, you got here 20 minutes late because you were tired. When you first got saved, let the door to the church open up. You be there early. Got to get a good seat. You know they don't ever get packed up in here. You just want to be a Christian. I was glad. You were like David. I was glad when they said to me, let's go into the house of the Lord. That's going to be a word this morning. It's going to be worship, man. Let's go, let's go, let's go. You've been doing about five, six, ten years. You're like, man, that, that service will start when I get there. Pastor preached long anyway. I get the end of it. I get the end of it. Get me a word. I catch it on the podcast. Right? We are in a place right now in history where we can get biblical teaching just at, and it's made us lazy. And we forget what happens when we come into this place, when we come into the space to come together. You know what? I, you know what? I can't really join a small group because I don't really have time like that to be all up in nobody's small group and stuff like that. But let your favorite TV show start coming on at a certain time a week at that time. You're going to make time for that TV show. To the point now, I don't, I don't, I, don't, I, I never, I don't have HBO, but there was a show called Game of Thrones. Anybody know about Game of Thrones? I saw that they were having watch parties for Game of Thrones. Like you had, you get all your friends together and you go watch an episode all together. You get in the room and you all sit there and you all watching and you all talk about this fictional, this fictitious world. And again, I watch TV too. I'm not, I'm not throwing stones, but I just, you know, I'm just jealous. I don't have it. I didn't watch it. Okay. And so anyway, they get together and they have these parties and then they sit and they discuss what the TV show was about. It's a small group. Move on for somebody to get mad. Okay. And so David was worn out. And he just wanted to find a place to rest. What was he worn out about? I don't know, but it had to be hard. There was a lot going on. I can speculate what he was worn out about. But listen, between me and you, a lot of what was written in the Psalms were based upon this period of time in David's life. It was. Listen, Christianity, your walk with God is not meant to be just skipping through meadows. What it is, is God has agreed to come alongside you and live your life with you and teach you how Jesus would have responded to the situations that you're currently in if he was in that exact same situation. That's what the Christian life is about. Everything else, I don't know where you got that from. All the other stuff is just really unrealistic. And that's what we challenge where we get tired because we place unrealistic expectations on ourselves. 
We're tired of temptations that sometimes, if we're honest, we give in to. And we go, God, what's the use? I'm going to fall to it anyway, so why even try to live the way that you want me to live? I try and try and try and try again to tame my tongue, but inevitably, somebody's going to come into my life, and I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to have to tell them. And you've been convicted about that, and you don't want to tell them, but you tell them anyway. Paul said, the things I want to do, I don't end up. Listen, listen, you tell them anyway, and then you feel so low that you run away from God, and you go to your ziglag. And our challenge is, we don't learn how to properly rest in God. Our souls are weary. You can barely lift your hands to fight anymore. If I'm being really honest, you're wrestling even right now. Some people sitting there, I'm wrestling, man. I don't even know why I do church anymore. I, I, I can just sleep in on Sunday. Listen, I don't know why I allow Christians in my life to try to speak in my life. They're just a bunch of busybodies. You know what? It can just be me and God. And then before you know it, you're saying things like, you know, I'm more spiritual, spiritually than I am kind of religious. Like, I don't really go to church per se. Or I don't really read my Bible per se. I'm, 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 I'm more on this spiritual journey. I treat God like this great big buffet. When I go to Jason's Deli, I don't want that on my salad. I'm not going to put that on my salad. I'm not going to put that on my, I don't want that on my salad. And God's like, put it on your salad. I don't want that on my salad. And we get to the end of it. We get to, we get to the end of the buffet line. We want the pudding and the jello. We don't really want the salad anyway. You got shamed into getting the salad because your friend that was with you was talking about being healthy. And you got the salad anyway. But you put so much ranch on the salad, it don't even taste like salad no more. And so we walk around looking for excuses to walk away from God and to get back to our ziglag, to get back to our level of comfortability. That God, that the Holy Spirit, you don't convict me no more when I'm in ziglag. Because have you ever noticed the more and more you, you walk in willful sin, the quieter and quieter God's voice gets? Because God's like, I'm going to give you enough rope to hang yourself. I love you. I'm at the, end, I'm at the other end of the rope when you come back. I'm not talking to nobody. I'm talking to myself. I'm sorry. And you distance yourself, which David was, David did. I'm going to give us three reasons that we, four reasons that we uh, glorify the gospel and then we have, I mean, four reasons that we, we get fatigued and maybe it helps somebody and then we'll talk about how to get back real quick. I'm going through them really quickly. Number one. You've glamorized the gospel. You sanitized the gospel. Remember, the gospel message ended with Jesus on the cross. The most excruciating death anybody will ever, ever, ever experience. And the Bible tells us that we will know him in the fellowship of our suffering. We've taken suffering out of our theology. Because if you're suffering, then you ain't doing it right. Because God wants us to prosper, and God wants us to be happy, and God wants us to. You got some extra books in your Bible if that's what you think that God wants for your life. 
And that doesn't say that God doesn't give us joy. God doesn't give us peace. God doesn't give us those great moments. But listen, God does not say that we're supposed to just live our lives in this easy, breezy existence and that we're not supposed to be growing. We forget that there we are sinful people. And because of sin, this world is broken. And if you're looking for a utopia while you're here on earth, then you glamorize the gospel. But what God has said, I'm with you despite all the hard stuff that's going on in your life. I'm going to hold your hand through the situation. I'll hold your hand through the cancer. I'll hold your hand through the breakup. I'll hold your hand when they're lying on you and saying all manners of evil against you. I'll hold your hand. When everybody walks out on you, I'll still be there with you. That's the gospel message. And so we've glamorized it. We've made it this Hollywood movie. We made it this fairy tale. And that's just not so. And so David ministered to Saul and he honored Saul. And if I, and listen, I'm just going to speculate right now. Don't take this as no theological truth. But if I was David, I'm like, man, I'm going to be king one day. I'm falling behind the king. And guess what? Man, I'm his armor bearer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You want me to go kill somebody king? Let me go kill somebody king. As soon as he threw king in, I'm going to be the king. And then all of a sudden, the king trying to kill you. How would you feel? The person who was supposed to be mentoring you, loving on you, and showing you the ropes tells you, no, 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 boo-boo. I hate you now, and I want to kill you. Backstepping, lying, conniving, and you had every opportunity to retaliate. You had every opportunity to give them what they deserve, and you said, no, 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 I'm not going to do that because God is in control. So David even had a glamorized understanding of what God wanted him to do. And we've glamorized the gospel in our lives. Number two, trying to find strength in other places. When you're tired and you're trying to find strength. Anybody ever played sports? Anybody been in one of those games like double overtime? And no matter Gatorade you can drink to give you some strength. Right? And you breathing, and you leaning over. And the coach said, no, stand up, hold your hands up. Coach, if I could stand up, I would stand up. I can't stand up. My legs don't want to go no more. And so we try, give me strength. And then, you know, you got the dude on the sideline pumping you up. And his, his suit just clean. He ain't sweated a bit, Terrence. He ain't got no dirt on his uniform. He's trying to pump you up. If you don't go sit your butt down on the end of the bench somewhere. I'm tired. And when we get to that place, we say, well, we're just going to lay here. My, my strength will come. I'm, I'm just going to lay here. And the trainers inevitably, what they tell you, they say, now get up, stand up, stand up. Hold your hands up. You get some air in your lungs. You can't breathe down there. It's hotter down there on the ground. Get up. And we just want to lay there. And we want to find our source of strength someplace else besides our daily bread. That was number two. Number three. You've placed your thoughts over God's thoughts. You've said what you've deduced about yourself over what God has said about you. That's what David said. He said, I made up in my heart. He made up in his heart that, listen, surely Saul is going to catch up with me and kill me. And many of us, we've made up in our hearts these false things that God has not said, but it's what we've said based on our circumstance, our perspective has been broken. We look at the man in the mirror and we don't see what God sees. 
And we can't see what God sees because we can't see that far down the road. We don't know what the next turn is. We're in a GPS culture now. I was laughing about that on our long road trip, 17 and 30 miles. It was, was that? DJ Khaled. We had DJ Khaled uh, uh, on, you know, GPS. He's like, turn left. Don't play yourself. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> turn it left. But you can click in onto the menu and you can see every turn all 1,730 miles. And so nothing should catch you by surprise. Nothing. Except when, you know, you get there and you say, Waze didn't tell me that we were going to get behind a military caravan on a two-lane road that's going to add an hour to our trip. And you're like, is there a wreck up there? And then there's diesels coming both ways, and you try to get over, and you got to get back, and you got to get over, and then, then you get enough courage to try to go around them, and then you got to slow down because you almost got hit by that car. Ain't nobody ever did that before? That wasn't on the ways didn't tell me that. It didn't tell me that if I miss this exit, I'm going to have to go five miles up that way, turn around, and then go two miles that way to get back to this exit. Who made these highways? And so we want God to give us the GPS coordinates. I remember when we first started doing road trips, me and my wife, y'all don't even know about this. We used to go on Hotbot. You know what Hotbot is? No, you don't. Hotbot. <laughs> Ryan know what Hotbot is. Or MapQuest. You're on MapQuest, and you put in a location, and it starts, bloop, 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 and you have to print it out, and you stop at the rest stop because we weren't using maps because we weren't doing maps. We had the Hotbot, and you start looking, and then you get there, and then the name of the road done changed because Hotbot had old data. Now you got a little lady or DJ Khaled telling you where to go. Darius taught me how to do that. It was fun, too. And so we've placed our thoughts over God's thoughts. And then number four, we flirt with the enemy. Let's go back. Let's go back to the land of the Philistines. And we don't have to, like, fight for them. We can do our own thing and just not tell them what we're doing. We can act like we are in allegiance with them, but we're really not in allegiance with them. I can act like I like being here, but I really don't like being here. I I, I can flirt with the line. And we flirt with the enemy until the day that the enemy calls us on our stuff. Because when he was in the land of the Philistines, the Philistine people start complaining to the king about David being there. And, uh, you know, soon or later he's going to turn against us. And so the king said, you know what, you're going to have to prove yourself to us. Let's go fight against Israel. And I can just imagine David. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go fight. You want me to fight? I'm going to fight. Like like you really want me to go? Because I go. I go do it. Have you ever met anybody, check this out, have you ever met anybody who they got to a place of zigzag, they got to a place where they sat down on God, they got to a place where they left Christian community, they got to a place where they were sick and tired of being sick and tired, and before you knew it, they had developed in their mind because they started thinking this way that there was no God. And then the next thing you know, they make the most angry atheist. Only the people I've met. They hate God now because they allowed themselves to flirt with the enemy for so long. And you ask me, say, well, what, 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 what was your background? I grew up in the church. Okay, so what, where did it go wrong? Well, I tell you what, church folk do this and church folk do this, and then I left. 
It's only one step away from you being in your place of zigzag until you are at a place where you convince yourself there is no God. I'm serious about this. I told y'all this story before, and I told y'all I'd be quick, but y'all know better than that. I, t- I was I, I went out to, to to lunch one time with a friend of mine's who was staunch atheist, and the whole time he just wanted to fight me. He just wanted to fight me on all the stuff that the church is doing wrong, and the church is horrible, and all the stuff. And as I'm sitting there listening to the man, I'm like, oh, we ain't even talked in like 15 years, and so I'm just, oh, yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. How's your how's your family? Oh, yeah, yeah. How's your daughter? Your daughter's probably grown up by now. And this man just began to give me this laundry list of zigzag experiences. Well, right after you left Dell Computers, uh, I had this issue where uh, I couldn't work no more, and they fired me. And you got to understand that this man's job was his world. Okay, that sucks. And then my wife left me. Man, that's tragic. And then, and then my daughter don't even talk to me no more. And then I fell and I did, I slipped all these discs in my back and, and, and they, they had to fuse some stuff in my back and I have this nerve damage because of it. And I was wondering, because he was talking like he was his, his, his voice was slurring a little bit. I thought he was a little drunk, but he was saying, no, that he went through this stuff and it was this neurological thing now that he couldn't really talk right. And he told me that he had to get shock therapy and all this kind of stuff and none of this stuff was working. And I'm sitting there going, man, this guy has every reason to be mad right now. He does. Because he does know he has every reason to be mad right now. And so then he started going. I said, okay, let's talk about the church now. Man, the church do this. And I said, yeah, that sucks. I hate that about the church sometimes. But our church, we do this. Okay. Man, this is, and he, he, he laundered this about five or six things about the church. He's like, okay, he's angry. I get it. Then he began to share with me that his mom was a superintendent for their denomination. And then she got sick and she began to die and nobody came to visit her. Nobody came to visit her. And so with tears in his eyes, he say, man, if the church is so good, why do you treat your own people so bad? I said, man, I don't know. I said, I hate that for you and your family. I hate that for y'all. I don't have an answer. But what it sounds to me like you need right now is you need a friend. And then the tears begin to, the tears just begin to flow. He said, you're right. I need a friend right now. Because I don't have, I lost everything in my life. I just need a friend right now. And so we had been sitting at this booth at this restaurant for like three hours talking to the point where the waitress was like, well, if y'all don't get up, we got to get this table turned over. Like, you just got to go. And so as we we're walking out to the car and I said, man, you know what? I'm going to pray for you. He said, yeah, please. And kind of had a smirk on his face. And I reached down and grabbed his hand to pray for him right then and there. We prayed in the parking lot. And at first he was like, mm, yeah, you can see him. Mm. Then he began to feel the sincere prayer. And then he turned to me, and these are his words. He says, man, if your mama's still living, love on your mama. Because my mama died, I never had the chance to tell her I was sorry. And so in all of that hurt, he ended up in zigzag, and we began to share a little more, and that's when he became an atheist. He said, if God is good, surely... He's not that good. Or surely he's just mad at me. The world needs to see the church suffer well. Because when they can see that there's hope in their suffering. 
So David was in Ziglag. He was just kind of suffering. And then the suffering really settles in. Remember I told you to remember the names of his wife? Watch this. What verse am I starting at? First uh, Samuel chapter 30. And so David was living amongst the Philistines. And when he went out on one of his military campaigns, he came back and his men and their families, his men's families and his family were all gone. Someone had came in and taken away from David all that he had, all their possessions. And the men were thinking about stoning him, (laughs) the Bible says. Talk about being depressed. Now, not only is Saul trying to kill me, now my own folk trying to kill me. Let's go to verse 6. It says, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were in bitter, were bitter in soul, each of his sons, daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. This is how you get out of that stinking situation. You got to look up and say, you know what? I'm going to strengthen myself in the Lord. A word from pastor ain't going to work right now. A phone call. I've been waiting for people at the church to call me and they ain't called me yet. Listen, you better strengthen yourself in the Lord. Because you have just, you, you stand to lose everything and David had just lost everything. Watch this, watch this. His, his wives' names, they're so significant. His wives' name. One of his wives' names means my brother's delight, and the other one meant my father is joy. My brother's delight and my father is joy. He had lost every bit of his community. He had lost every bit of what strengthened him as a believer in God. He no longer had his countrymen. He no, he no longer had the people that were lead, he was leading on his side, and he no longer had the joy of God inside of him. And so... David had to strengthen himself. And so you, to overcome, you have to repent. You have to get to a place of true repentance and say, God, I'm sorry I'm here. I'm here. You have to strengthen yourself in the Lord. How do you do that, Pastor? I don't know. Put on the Kirk Franklin CD. I don't know. Do something. No. Get into the Word and find out what God is saying about you. And renew your strength there. Listen, today you need your daily bread. The word of God is what's going to sustain you. And the word of God is true. And the word of God says certain things about you. So you got to get into the scripture and find out what God said about you. Not that you're going to be rich and prosperous. Not that you're going to have a a house on a thousand hills. Not that you're going to have all of that kind of stuff. No, 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 no. But that you are beloved of God and God loves you and that he will never leave you nor forsake you. And that when you find yourself in the pits of hell, he is even there with you and he's there to raise you up and give you strength. You need to find those scriptures and draw strength from that. So David strengthened himself in the Lord. And David said to Abiathar, the priest, oh, he found a priest, the son of Amalek. He said, bring me the ephod. Bring me the ephod. The ephod is what the, 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 the priest would use in order to, to talk to God. He says, listen, I got to talk to God. I got to get some understanding about the situation. And watch this. David was at the place where he was broken. David was at the place where he was humble. And he said, so they brought him the ephod in verse 8. And David inquired of the Lord. And watch this. Watch this. This is, listen, if you don't get nothing else today, 
David said, shall I? Shall I pursue after this band? God, you know I got the ability to go do it. Listen, I ain't lost a battle yet. David was saying, you know what? The will of God is the will of God. What should I do, God? Sometimes we have so much strength in ourselves, and God has to get us to that broken place where we say, God, what do I need to do? I've been doing it my way this whole time. God, what shall I do? I know I'm talking to somebody. That's why y'all so quiet. He said, shall I overtake them? It wasn't a matter of, uh, it wasn't a matter of ability. Shall I do it? Just let me know. I've been doing it for the king. I've been doing it for myself. Just let me know. Because, God, I got myself in this situation, and I need you to give me strength and understanding to get myself out. Yeah, go ahead. That's what God said. He said, and he answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake and shall rescue. So David set out, and the 600 men who were with him, and they came to the brook of Basor. <clears throat> where those who were left behind stayed. But David pursued, he and 400 men, 200 stayed behind, who were exhausted, <laughs> who were too exhausted to cross the brook of Bashar. They found the Egyptian here in the open country and brought him to David, and they gave him bread, and he ate. They gave him water to drink, and they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit was revived, for he had not eaten bread or drunk water for three days and three nights. And David said to him, to whom do you belong and where are you and where are you from? He said, I am a young man of Egypt to the Amalekite, to an Amalekite. And my master left me behind because he fell sick three days ago. We had made a raid against the Negev and the Cherishites and against those which belongs to Judah and against the Negev and Caleb and burned Ziglag with fire. And David said to him, will you take me down to this band? And he said, swear to me by God that you will not kill me or deliver me into the hands of my master. And I will take you down to this band. Watch this. And I'm closing. When you make up your mind to get up from that place of spiritual fatigue, that doesn't mean you're not going to be tired as you pursue God. The Bible says that David went three days and three nights without eating. And then watch this. God, in his providence, brought somebody to bring him exactly what he needed. You just got to start moving in the right direction, and God will meet you when you're at your point that you think you're going to give up again and go, you know what? It ain't even worth it. But David remembered what God had said, and he was hell-bent about pursuing. He was hell-bent about going and get the things that God told him that he was supposed to go. So he had heard God's word again. And then God brought somebody from the raiding party to show David exactly where the people were that took his stuff. Listen, when you make up in your mind that you're sick and tired of being spiritually tired, God will show you exactly what you need to do in order to get up out of that situation. You just got to pursue God. You just got to listen for God's voice. And some of you might be thinking, well, I don't know how to do that. Listen, I put this name on the screen every single week. Elders at any community church. If you don't know how to do it, we will help you. 
That's what God has called us to do to help you along your spiritual journey. Ephesians 4.11, he's given a fivefold to train the saints for the work of the ministry. And we are here to help you to get to where you need to go. You just got to want it. You just got to want it. Listen, we're going to have the worship team minister a song. Once again, I know I went long today, but I think this was something that we needed to hear. For the next few moments, I want you to think about that thing that's calling you back to zigzag. And for some of us, we're sitting in zigzag right now. We're sitting in that place of just tired, and we're sick and tired of being sick and tired. I want you to think about that thing right now. And I want you to begin to pray to God, God, reveal to me, God, show me what I need to do. How I need to do it. Who I need to tap on the shoulder. God, where do I need to go? Listen, church, we have a work to do. And no man's getting left behind. If you don't want to be left behind. And so make up in your mind that you're going to pursue. That you're going to overtake. And that you're going to recover everything that the enemy has stole from you. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at anycommunity.church.